I'm Bill Simmons, and here's what I believe. I believe the defending NBA champion wear championship belts at every game. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe we should ban the DH long press extra points, the NIT, and pickoff throws. You really want to know what I believe? I believe in the four-point line. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe even if Belichick Popovich presidential ticket. I believe that every DiCaprio movie would be just a little bit better as a Matt Damon movie. I believe the 2004 ALCS was an act of God. I believe the tug of war should be an Olympic sport. And finally, I believe that billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadiums. Finally, I believe that billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadiums. Finally, I believe that billionaires should pay for their own fucking football stadiums. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe that Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. Kanye is a genius. I believe in the four-point line. I believe in the four-point line. I believe in the four-point line. I'm Bill Simmons. And here's what I believe. Hello and welcome to a podcast about sports and pop culture. Uh, this is episode two. Yes, somehow we made it back for a second episode. Yeah, and um, we've moved on from The Dark Knight Rises to a actually good intellectual discussion about um, the role of pop music in American culture, sort of. Yeah, no, as um, coming off of our first episode, which was as unhinged as I was hoping it would be, episode two is like unfortunately dour and serious. Yeah, that's what happens when you talk about politics in uh, 2017. Yeah, who would guess that you um, like start moving to serious topics shocking. and that's how the tone goes. Yeah, so um, this episode we've got uh, some pop music talk, some Taylor Swift talk, uh, and we've also got a college basketball segment which will hopefully be good um it won't be it won't be good but no, don't do it. no. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about the hatters <laughs> possibly um, the stetson hatters this is a stetson podcast this is a, a real Your savannah state for and, stetson basketball yeah stetson and savannah state uh the the premier savannah state basketball podcast <laughs> on the internet um yeah um but yeah so i guess um, what what do most podcast interests do? We talk about our weeks. How was your week? How was your week, Ben? It was all right. You know, work's busy. Um, I don't sleep anymore, so that's really good. Good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it, the weather sucks. I hate Chicago at this time of year. Where, like, it doesn't really want to know if it's winter or fall. Like, it was fifty degrees today. I wore like this polo button down thing as opposed to like a real jacket. It's teasing me because it's going to be like 20 in a week. And it's going to be awful. I don't know. How's your week? Uh, it was stressful. Uh, being in Medill is actually bad. And uh, getting emails from the student class that's fact-checking your story frantically in the morning that are like six paragraphs are actually bad. <laughs> um, but that's all right because uh, at the end of the day, I'll be able to say the immortal words, I went to Medill. Yeah, just smack that degree down on the table. And you get literally any job in the country. Yeah, any job. That's right. That's how it works. Um, yeah, so... I think on that note, we're going to segue into our interview with um, Grant Rindner, of, currently of Esquire, but previously of Days, the Nylon. He works for Pigeons and Planes as well. He basically writes anywhere that gives him a, a couple shekels, I think. Anything with good music takes, basically, is what yeah. you see him. Yeah. And that does not include Pitchfork Magazine, so that, that's exactly why. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, 
It was a great interview, and we're very glad we had him on. So um, we're just going to go right into that, and then we'll be back with some absolutely awful college basketball to speak of. Put my tank on me, everybody put five in Five, everybody put five in I'm in the Sebring, I can fit five in Five in, eight if we lapping up But I'm riding in the back if we lap up Cause I always wanna sit me on my lap, what? She know it, oh yeah, she know it Had a thing for us since sixth grade I hope she know it now Rockin Welcome back to a podcast about sports But also pop culture And joining us now is our second ever guest Very exciting, another Northwestern guy uh, You can find him in Dave's Box Currently at Esquire His name is Grant Rinder Grant, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, how are you guys? Doing well So um, we have to start with one thing first Before we get into any kind of serious talk and it's, if I remember right, you were on Mayfest during your time at Northwestern, right? The group that puts together Dillo Day. I was. So why can't Dillo Day just be moved into Welsh Ryan? When necessary. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> how much How much time do you have? Uh, just as much time as it takes to get the point across. I, okay, so I still, every part of my impulse is to say nothing about this because I don't really know exactly what the protocol is there is no protocol we've forgotten it actually okay so 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 basically here's how it could be done if if we spent all of the money for the artists to book welsh ryan and just had like a bunch of student bands or just like some real like a real trash lineup then we could have both venues but if we want at least a b minus dillo day (laughs) It's got to be outside. Wow. Are you implying that Northwestern University charges a bit too much money to rent its public spaces? I would never. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I would do no such thing. What a politically savvy comment. So, speaking of political savviness, that's the worst (laughs) possible segue I can possibly use. Politics. Yeah. I love the politics. (laughs) So... (laughs) We're going to start with what is in pop culture. I mean, I think it's it's got to be the biggest story of the week, and that's that at long last, Taylor Swift's new album is out. Uh, what the hell is the name of it even? Like, it's uh, uh, Reputation. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it shows how much research I've done. Um, <laughs> but so basically, I mean, obviously it's a big deal. It's been released in some places, but right now you have to pay for it. You can't stream it. It's not on Spotify. Um, but you, as a music critic, have actually listened to it and listened to it seriously. So just on a kind of surface level, first listen through, what are your thoughts on the new album from Miss Taylor Swift? Okay, so this is something that I've realized about, I guess, myself as a consumer of media, which is that I love monoculture and just like giant things like this. And there's no one else in music who like creates a conversation like this. So I was excited to hear it. And my surface level first reaction is that it is fine. Oh no, <laughs> no, that's not what we want. That's gonna be exactly <laughs> my word to describe it too, so go on. <laughs> no, so I I think it, it, it's, and this has been kind of one of the prevailing like things about it, but a lot of the songs just sort of sound like you know like as i was listening to it the main thing that kept hitting me is if i was just like on like a soundcloud rabbit hole and like 
one of these songs came up as being by like anonymous pop star X, I would probably just skip it, but I'm listening to it now. It's very smooth, it's very ironed out. It's interesting that like it's her sort of dark, edgy reboot record and it is, you know, still just sort of so overproduced. But with that being said, it is basically the only thing that I've listened to today and like five of the songs have already burrowed their way like in and they're gonna stay there forever. So <laughs> I would say it's 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 fine and that it, it has some moments that have kind of already done the Taylor Swift thing and just kind of taken over my subconscious. So is it realistic to say that Taylor Swift is ever going to like revert back to country? Or find another level as an artist. Does this or, matter? Yeah, I, I don't think it matters. Is this just what we should expect from Taylor Swift from now on? Is just a kind of generic pop song that will play on the radio a bunch, um, and just kind of that's all you're going to hear. So, so it's, it's funny that you you mentioned that and you asked if she'll ever go back to country because one of the things that stuck out to me on the record is that there are a couple. It's not a ton. There are a couple moments that are like actually super country. They're just hidden beneath like 2011 trap music. So like, um, call it what you want. That whole melody, that whole song is very country. Getaway car is also kind of country in its own way on like the verses. So I think that there's a little bit of that in there, and I think the answer is probably yes. Like. I don't think she's gonna ever rap more than she does on this, and I think that, <laughs> which is which is you know I think maybe a good thing, but I think that given that she's someone who's sort of so, you know, what is my prevailing narrative? That like, can't you just feel oh. you know she'll do this? Maybe she'll oh, double dear. down on it for one more record, and then she'll go back and she'll do like the country reboot when she's like. 32 and you know the only pop star who still makes music so, um i think yeah. that last word that you used the last kind of phrase that you went there like the only pop star like that's kind of what stuck with me it, it seems like the art form that which this album is going for is kind of disappearing like we don't see these general just pop albums anymore i don't think it feels like right. everything's been stratified if it's not rap or r&b on top of the hit list like that's that's pretty much all there is nowadays the great then, dissolution of music yeah and then you can every everyone seems to have like a real genre other than just pop song um am yeah. i off base here no i think i think you're right i think i had a similar reaction because in hearing a lot of the songs one of my my initial reactions i sort of think about okay what singer or, or group could have done this better right so you have like like, Don't Blame Me would be much better as an Ariana Grande song, or uh, Getaway Car would be better if it was a Heim song, or even like a, a killer song or something, right? But it's like, I feel like that's almost what a pop album is. It's just, it, I mean, it literally is. It's, just, it's the middle. It's, it's kind of a sort of B-plus take on, you know, what's really relevant today. I think... Uh, B-plus is generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fine. I mean, like, there are B plus pop records. This is maybe not that. I really, I don't, I don't hate it, and I'm, I have to keep saying that because I feel like I'm gonna start saying things that sound like I hate it, and I really don't. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's funny, right? Because I kind of lump someone like Taylor Swift in with like 
like like a Tom Cruise or like Will Smith, where they're kind of they're literally their own industry, and they're just going to kind of keep doing things that are almost like sort of trend irrelevant. And when they do it, like on this record, right, where he kind of tries to be very current and you know tries to get kind of trappy and raps and has like future on it and all this stuff you know it feels so weird because they just seem like they almost like even though they're current and they're all over the charts and they have you know a number one like move in the box office they just kind of exist like almost out of time so in a way like yeah i can't think of another album that goes for what this album goes for this year and i don't think we're gonna get one until you know the next time that she does a record Right. So speaking of uh, of people who've sort of their brands have become all encompassing, uh, we have this latest article you wrote about Eminem and about and I feel like he's another one of those artists who the brand of Eminem has now become more important than Eminem itself. Um, I like this. We're going from one like bad white rapper in 2017, Taylor Swift, to Eminem, who has become like. The OG bad white rapper. Um, <laughs> no, Vanilla Ice will always be the OG bad white rapper. <laughs> that's a good point. He's, he's an innovator. That's true. Um, so it's it's funny because um, when I got uh, pitched that that story idea to kind of write this thing about Eminem because you know he's got some singles out. He did the uh, BET freestyle, oh, which. I think it's just total garbage, but like Keith Olbermann. It's not it. good. It's it's, um, <laughs> it's like not even rap. It's like slam poetry. But um, but but so I got pitched the idea to write about it, and my thought was like, when I was in like fourth to sixth grade, I loved Eminem, and then never listened to him since. Just became like a completely ancillary figure in hip hop, and. Like, if I told you there was an Eminem song and it either had Ty Dolla Sign on it or Imagine Dragons, like, who would you think would be more likely that he would work with? And he has worked with Imagine Dragons. Right. Like, he just exists in this, yeah, he's, he's kind of moved completely away from the realm of contemporary rap. And now, you know, that he's a 40-some-odd-year-old guy, he's also gotten into this weird, like lyrical miracle spiritual like dude in like a kangle hat kind of i'm gonna make every word rhyme because that's what real hip-hop is sort of like grumpy old man thing and that's not that's not what it used to be like and that was the thing that stuck out to me too in going back and listening to his first couple of records is that like obviously a ton of it is you know incredibly like disturbing and problematic and you know wouldn't fly today but the actual rapping is very good and now it's just like you can hear him sweating and it's just kind of uncomfortable so why does his music age so much worse than anyone else in his time period i mean you can go uh, back and listen to i don't know if it, it's i don't there's some that age pretty i think some of jay-z's old ones age pretty badly to be uh, honest. but like nowhere close to <laughs> not as bad like, as like you can know, listen yeah. to early jay-z and it makes sense yeah. or 50 cent and it makes sense or even stuff like Beastie Boys, I guess, which is almost close to what Eminem was trying to affect too. Um, but I mean, you listen to the, even the songs that you thought like really slapped. Like you can't go back, at least I can, and listen to "Lose Yourself" without like kind of <laughs> laughing at Mom's Spaghetti. Like you just can't do that anymore. Is it like what about it? Just like to 2017 ears sounds so bad. 
So yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely true. It's true for Jay Z as well. I mean, any music from like 2000 to 2005 is all going to be cringeworthy now. I think it's just somebody a once told me. <laughs> but that song, that that song slaps. I defend <laughs> Smash Mouth. Um, Who let the dogs out? Also slaps. Just, just also slaps. That sounds like Maddle. That song might be from like nineteen, like ninety-five or something. Yeah, the Baja Men exist outside of time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they, they, they mastered it. They really did. That's what Taylor's going for. Um, But no, so I think, I think one big thing that stuck out to me, um, and you still hear it, is he was very like an Eminem song is kind of like a Family Guy episode. It's all like super niche reference humor and yeah. a little bit of it ages well and a lot of it doesn't and he's still talking about a lot of the same stuff i mean he put out a song it's like a seven minute like vaguely political like screed and it's all just this dated stuff and so like you know obviously he's not going to be like <clears throat> rapping about like sipping lean and like wearing supreme or like things that you know like a 17 year old rap about but like he just he dates himself further back to your family guy point i think that's a fantastic comparison actually but the thing with family guy is no one takes family guy seriously as a television show anymore right like no one thinks it's funny or like cutting edge of comedy but for some reason eminem is still taken very seriously by like he is able to get uh, collaborations with beyonce he's able to go on like awards shows and stuff and so i feel like He's basically middle school humor, except we've we've let him like have this huge presence, and I don't I don't understand why we did that. Yeah. Why him? Well, yeah. No, I mean I think I think because he's one white. Of the, <laughs> well, I, yeah, and I and I think on on top of that too, I think a lot of the people that are still making those kind of high level decisions of like who plays at the VMAs and you know who gets sort of this spot are probably the same people that were making those decisions in two thousand three. You know, and yeah. so like, I don't think that they've adapted well with the times. But yeah, I mean, it's but that's exactly that's part of the problem, you know. And I was, you know, he did have a lot of of, of shock value when he kind of came out, and I think that people sort of still want that from music, and they want from hip hop, they want something provocative. But also, like the culture is sort of moved to the point where we know when things are kind of problematic so we put eminem in this weird bubble where it's like he comes out and he makes his you know redemption record where he's you know gonna be nice and apologize for all the things he said about his daughter's mom and then we're like this is super shitty and bad (laughs) and then and then he's like okay guys here's my you know album about murder and you know doing drugs and like you know all the sort of the, the the tropes and then we're like you can't say that so he's kind of in this like no win situation, but we all still pay attention to him. So in your feature, the feature, the piece that you wrote about him, you reference the song Square Dance off the Eminem show, where it kind of has kind of that protesty Bush era vibe to it. Um, and I certainly think of either Mosh or White America, um, which kind of have the same similar vibe to yeah. it. Um, but I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think if he, you think that if he dropped something like that today, uh, it would matter really at all. I think that I think that the thing about that is he could make a song that matters. I think he won't, but not to be not to be pessimistic. But you know, I think that a lot of people pay attention to Eminem in the political sphere 
because of his belief that, for the most part, has kind of been proven to be true that he does reach an audience that does not get, you know, permeated by other rappers. I think it's, you know, overstated, you know, like everything about Eminem is kind of based on, like, an old conception of it. But, like, if he put out a song that really talked the way that um, a song like Square Dance does, or, or White America especially, White America, I think, is actually one of his songs that has held up yeah. really well, even if it no longer applies to him, right. I think it's still really maybe his kind of most powerful song besides the uh, song like Stan. But I think that if you were to put out a song that talks to, like, a, you know, a 28-year-old dude in the Ozarks about why Trump, you know, is actually bad for that guy, I think that song could go over well with those people and I think would be praised and I think even, you know, sort of <laughs> snobby music people like me would say, hey, he did, you know, the thing that he can do in this situation. I think that what the album is going to be, you know, he said that it's going to be very political. It's going to be the same thing as the freestyle, which is this kind of vague, general, you know, opposition to the Trump agenda, which, you know, it's good. It's always good when there's music that says that. Um, but he's not going to do the thing that he can do well, which is actually speak to somebody's experience who wouldn't get that from another rapper. Yeah, and I almost feel like, in terms of, I don't know how much indie rock you listen to, but right now, like, the big indie rock stories are the same stories that are occurring in Hollywood and the same stories that are occurring in the upper level of politics that sort of represent, like, the level of exploitation that's going on. Right. Because indie rock, like, the, the lead singer of Brand New, there's the guy from DuckTales. Right, yeah, real, yeah real, the guy in real estate, yeah. Um, and that's the main story, and, and those stories are, are, are suggesting that indie rock has a problem that the rest of the country has, and there's something that you can't really do something, like, you can't, you can't go up and say, and if you're an indie rock fan, and say, man, I, I, I really support women, however, I listen to this album where the dude is convicted of, like, so, like and it's sort of like that same uh, thing going on with, I think, just in general in society and so instead of being a, a protest it's sort of just another method of like i don't know i don't know how much foucault you know but like it just feels like another method of containment um from the dom yeah dominant culture right. anyway right <laughs> and i and i think but i think one of the good things that that happens now and that you know did happen you know back maybe you know eight ten years ago when there was more more like more than that protest music going on is that you know you do have punk bands that are, you know, doing a, a, a good job of making political music and sort of setting up, but they're, you know, they're bands like, uh, like Downtown Boys or like Sheer Mag that have female singers and female members um, and, you know, can because that music is a great context for, for protest and indie rock is too, it's like emotional it's angry, it's powerful it just, you know, you need to have the right voices making it to make these statements, and, and I think that is happening now, but yeah, like you're saying, you know with you know brand new or, 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 or uh, the guy in Ducktales, like these sort of you know old boys clubs still exist and still you know has name value and sells tickets and hopefully one of the you know few kind of silver linings that'll come out of you know all of what's going on in in that scene right now is that some you know voices that have a, a, a fresher and kind of more critical perspective now will take us in that airspace. So there's no easy way off of a serious topic like that. 
but I do feel like we've kind of exhausted that conversation. So this is a sports and pop culture combination podcast. So we have found... Both, both sports. Four. Yeah, so we have found... <laughs> Maybe the best, maybe the worst, depends on your point of view. Songs made by athletes, and we were oh, hoping great. you could review them for us. Just, just you know, a quick, like, 20, 15, 30 seconds, maybe yeah. even 15, um, but we'll hit you with it, and you tell us what you think. So, first of all, I'm not sure you've heard of, have you heard Carl Lewis's Break It Up before? No, I'm, I'm so excited. So, right. do you know who Carl Lewis is, even? Or are we just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, no, okay, I okay. Know <laughs> Uh, so can you hit that track, please? Let's all work together. You can't do it on your own. No. Make up your mind. Join it. Wow. You still can. Yeah. Trust one another. So what do you think of Carl? Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fire. That's fire. <laughs> Is there is there more? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. oh. It's a three minute song. Is there, no, is there, is there a Carl Lewis record? Yes, there's a Carl Lewis record um, with songs called. Uh, wait, uh, what? The titles of these songs. There's a ta- song he made called uh, "Going for the Gold." Um, this music video. <laughs> What's it about? It's it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Carl Lewis in this music video, who obviously was never convicted of drugs, is uh, only looks like he's completely roided up and doing things interspiced with videos of um, him running very quickly. Um, I think it's not a rap song, and maybe not, but I think it's a very good song. He's got, um, he's got he's got the pipes and he's got the bass line. And what what's your review of it? Uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a see. I feel like I feel like that is the problem that's kind of happened and i think there's, there's a lot of room for it is like we need more athlete musicians to make novelty music yeah oh like like i think i think damian lillard is a pretty good rapper oh. but i would love to hear him make a song that sounds like it's you know the end credits of like an 80s movie Okay. And that's what that shit sounded like. Yeah, no, it for sure does. Um, so yeah. next, we want to give you uh, some Lonzo Ball, who oh, uh, I'm in. did in fact make a song, and it's just, you know, it's, it it's... feels like a Drake wannabe song. Play it for me, Tristan. I'm going past some ZO2. You know I got a ZO2. Pay respect and pay your dues. Switching lanes, ZO2. I change the game, ZO2. They know my name, ZO2. Pay respect and pay your dues. Shout out to Future, keep guap on me. Shout out to Beast, cause I keep me a lot on me. Shout out to everyone doubting me. Changing the game and they make cause I'm charging fees. No, no name okay, okay. okay. <laughs> here's here's, here's the, the thing, here's the thing. If, you talk, that if that was just on SoundCloud, and you said that that dude was 14, and his name was like Young Clonopin, <laughs> that song would have 25 million plays and he would have a deal with Atlantic. I actually don't think he's that bad of a rapper. I mean, he kind of looks like generally like degraded drake like when you like <laughs> keep reposting like when you keep like reposting a meme on instagram and it gets all washed out it's kind of like drake to lonzo ball and it's kind of what the song is too so i think it's okay all right i'm i'm i think it's very boring but okay should we do the laren wong one yeah that's how we'll close okay it. yeah we'll close right. it out with a uh, northwestern athlete who may or may not play special teams for the football team, and you may have watched, um, so we'll, we'll leave it with some local things. Uh, this is uh, Laren Wong producing Young Seas. This actually is off SoundCloud, too. Yeah, so you know this exactly is on SoundCloud. Like right on. Be. 
Yes, it's a Stoyakovich reference. That's dope. <laughs> All, right. All right, how's how's that? I kind of like that. The the bass, you know, kind of knocked. The flow was there. <laughs> that was, you know, in the pantheon of dorm room rap, I would have it a little bit over uh, Greg Olson. Oh, okay. Oh, I think it's good. So he climbs I think, over that bump. I think he, he actually, Laren Wong, is, he makes good beats. I like his music. I just cannot get over the fact that of all the things you had to rap about, you rapped about Greg Popovich and Bayes yeah. Stoyakovich. It's truly remarkable. <laughs> kind of double team there. Um, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's a great rhyme. Rhyming Bayes It's not a rhyme. It's just their last names. They're both from uh, Eastern rhymes. European countries. That technically works. <laughs> Novak yeah. Djokovic. Yeah, just a bunch of... Threes yeah. like Milos Ranić. Yeah, yeah, just like name a bunch of Eastern European athletes to yeah. close it out. So... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've completely lost the plot as we yeah. often do at the end of the interview. Uh, anything else you want to leave the people with? Where can people read your work? Follow you on Twitter, Instagram, all of that fun stuff. If you want to give away your Instagram, that you do. Uh, but Ooh. yeah, close it out for me. Yeah, um, so you can read me. I've got some stuff coming out on um, Pigeons and Planes. We've got some things in the works for um, for days, to, uh, hopefully in the next couple weeks. Um, and you can follow me at Grant Ridner. Good luck trying to spell it. Um, but yeah, thanks guys. Thank you. That was Grant Ridner. We're going to take a break and be right back with more of a podcast about sports, but also pop culture. Both. Are you tired of losing money because of bad picks from your favorite sites about sports and pop culture? Well, you're in luck because the Lockwork Orange podcast is here to dish out poorly researched sports picks for a reasonable fee of $19.99 per episode. Here at Lockwork Orange, we specialize in Cleveland Browns betting patterns and locking down the Cleveland Browns whenever possible. We have made thousands of dollars for our customers locking the Browns to cover in every game for the last three years. Do you like losing money? Because you're losing money by not buying the Lockwork Orange podcast show from Forget the Protocol. Welcome back to a podcast about sports and pop culture. Um, we are uh, blessed with 
a series that we have uh, we run on MidMajorMadness.com yes. called the Never Made the Tourney Club. Yes. And um, I think to lead off our college basketball discussion after our fantastic interview with Grant, thanks Grant again, um, we are going to talk about the worst college basketball teams in the entire country. That's right. So first of all, we should actually explain yes. what the NMTC, the Never Made the Tournament Club, is. Uh, which is fairly self-explanatory, I suppose. It's any team who's never made the NCAA tournament. Yes. Whether that's in your first year of eligibility, shout out to Grand Canyon, or in your millionth year of, ex- of eligibility, like... St. Francis, New York. William & Mary, uh, two of the founding four. So, yeah, uh, because we have serious brain worms, uh, for the entire season we're going to be watching these hilariously atrocious basketball games... Uh, rooting for these teams to somehow be good enough in March to make the NCAA tournament, yeah. uh, which will not happen. Well, I know what we're not going to talk about, and the whole reason we do this is because we worked for a sports site that may or may not cover Northwestern sports. Yeah, And uh, Roger Sherman uh, started this <laughs> series when Northwestern was a fun, bad basketball team. Yeah. And now Northwestern is a legitimate basketball team, and Where's we are never going to speak of them again. So let's move on. Um, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about... Lipscomb last night yes. against Alabama. Oh my God! I'm still so so there's a there's a couple tiers I think in the in the uh, in the never made the tourney club. Um, there are about ten or fifteen never made twenty thirty <laughs> thirty never made the tourney club teams that are basically Hopeless. in three hundred or below in yeah. Ken Palm. These are your UMKCs, uh, so Hartford. Of the teams in the bottom ten, like three fifty one to three forty one, how many are NMTC? Uh, Bethune, be Bethune right? Cookman, Presbyterian, Coppin State, Grambling State, uh, South Carolina State, I think Alabama A and M and yep. Mississippi Valley. That's seventy percent. Yeah, and also <laughs> Maine, Maine is three thirty one, and Chicago State is three thirty four, and Longwood is Longwood is three thirty four. Longwood's three thirty eight. So Longwood. Yeah. So th- those are the bad teams, but there are some teams that aren't actually terrible who could, like, in theory, make the NCAA tournament. They're probably not going to. Um, those include Elon, who uh, lost by thirty to Duke. And uh, our beloved Lipscomb. Their loss to Furman is also not Their good. loss to Furman is not good. And also our beloved Lipscomb, what is their mascot? They're the Bison. Lipscomb Bison, yeah. Bison. Bisons. Um, yeah, Lipscomb. Um, they got hosed by the refs last night in Alabama. Yeah, so this is like, this tells you how ruined my brain is at this point that I was, first of all, not only did I not watch a single minute of, of Duke, Michigan, Michigan State. Of, yeah, Michigan State Duke. <laughs> I was instead watching Lipscomb, Alabama, and getting, like, viscerally upset about it. Because <laughs> like, it was tied. <laughs> angrier than I've ever been. Yes, yeah, so Lipscomb, for, I don't want to say they outplayed Alabama, because Alabama, like, they basically got whatever they want wanted on offense. And Colin Sexton's going to be great. And uh, they've got another guy who's really good. I forget his name now. It's, like, Peyton. Um, he's another freshman. He's, like, a top 25 guy. Who are very, very NBA basketball players going up against Lipscomb, who's in the Atlantic Sun. Guess how that worked on that end of the court. Um, but Lipscomb was playing just good enough in the first half and early into the second half to stick around. And then the officials just decided, like, you know, Alabama paid money to bring this team in here. Like, let's get them this win. Uh, Marbury, one of Lipscomb's The epitome best, of brutality uh, yes, exactly. was avoided. Shout out to John Rothstein. Um, Marbury, one of Lipscomb's best players, picks up his fourth foul with, like, the 17-minute mark in the second half on just an atrocious call where he's nowhere near the guy. And all of a sudden, he has four fouls. He's on the bench. Alabama runs away, wins by like twenty and change in a game that I promise was actually close for yes. thirty minutes. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of NMTC teams have had games where they're actually clo- clo- like Utah Valley went to Kentucky, was leading at halftime, right? 
and, and then, gave Duke a good game in the and first gave Duke too. a decent good game. Yeah, and then um, I don't know uh, what's the other one. Uh, William and Mary, did they play anyone good? Mm, no, they didn't play anyone good. I don't think so. They lost. They got killed by High Point. Yeah, High Point went to Tennessee and got shellacked. Um, I think we should. I think we should take a moment to discuss the the Presbyterian Blue Hose. However, oh my God, who might no. be. <laughs> <laughs> the worst basketball team in the in the nation. I don't know so, how they're not three fifty one. Right so now. they they played Johnson Tennessee, which is a Christian college that is not even in D three, not in the NAIA. It's in the level below that. They aren't really affiliated with the conference <laughs> because they barely have any students or an athletic program. They're they're sort of like one of those Christian, almost scam colleges. Yeah, like an online school that has. A they have an online team. school that has a basketball Great. team. They basically don't exist. So Presbyterian was beating them by one at the under eight. Uh, at home. <laughs> Pulled away late, though. Pulled away late to win by 20. However, th- the game... Ken Palm doesn't even have win expectancy for this, for this game. game. <laughs> it was it was close. Okay, Presbyterian allowed a D3 team to ha- score 1.09 points per possession against them. That's 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 so bad. Like, these people are never... These people are basically, like, high schoolers. Like, <laughs> Yo, you poured it on. They got buckets. I know. Shout out my guy Taylor Gilpin. <laughs> Taylor Gilpin, thirty-two of, points. I know. I get it. Five boards. It's ridiculous. And um, also that game, Johnson has twenty-seven fouls and Presbyterian has eighteen. So again, a, a little yeah, bit of that going on. Cooking. Yeah, that home cooking going on. Yeah. So Presbyterian might be the worst team. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> I, like everyone, I feel like if you said what's the worst team, like every person who would answer that would be like. Who's the shit team who we scheduled to whoop on yeah. in late December? So, like, Northwestern, Mississippi Valley State, or Chicago State. Like, if you ask anyone around this area who it would be, like, they'd go there. Mississippi Valley State, incidentally, is 351 in Ken Palm. Yeah, but they're going to be relevant <laughs> soon. Yeah, <laughs> I Delta Devils for the win. Yes, that is a lifelong Delta Devils fan. But, yeah, when you, I like, no one actually watches these teams play more than once a year, uh, except for us. Yeah. Um... And you, why it's it's some of the most radioactive shit. Yes, it's so bad. <laughs> also, um, the Maryland we talked about it on our last podcast in Fun Bad, but if you watch it for the whole season, it gets really bad. Okay, so I feel like in college basketball, there's this thing where you don't actually have to care about what the best team in the country is ever. Oh yeah, no, no sure. I, like I, there I, are really, if you really think about it, in an average college basketball season, like the number gets smaller as the year goes on, but there's probably between like what 40 teams maximum who like their fates are somewhat unclear yes like not their seeding or anything like that you know there's obviously things to be gained for playing ncaa tournament games close to home but like everyone knows kentucky is going to go to the tournament or kansas is going to go to the tournament and you know there are just going to be a huge heap of teams where they're not going to make the tournament and then there is a huge heap of conferences where nothing matters until the conference tournament really Yes. You can position yourself, but basically it's just going to be a crapshoot at the end of the year. I don't know if that was... I completely lost the plot here. I forgot what you asked. Yeah, but I, I feel like... So how many games... Like, I haven't watched a single game. I didn't watch any of the Duke-Michigan State game because right. of said Lipscomb-Alabama game. Big game. Huge game. Um, I haven't watched any of... I didn't watch Kentucky-Kansas last night. I watched I, the second half of that game. I went so. to bed, or I, I had some work to do. But, like... I feel like all of these marquee matchups in the beginning of the season are like exhibition games. Like, I don't care about them. Yeah, functionally, right? Because, I mean, I don't think anyone doubts that Kentucky in March is going to be a lot better than they are now. Yeah, I mean, and Michigan like State will be, team. too. Yeah, even. Michigan State, too. Everyone's, like, a lot of teams aren't healthy. A lot of teams still have guys suspended because the FBI is knocking on their door. Yeah. I mean, you, these Champions Classic games, 
for as good as they are for the sport and for neutral interest, like I'm glad that there's engaging basketball on in the first week of November. But does it really matter? No. I don't think you can really say anything about a team until conference season starts. I yeah. mean, who did Indiana beat last? They beat Kansas last year, right? Yes. Out in Maui? Like, and all of a sudden, it was they were legit. And Lord knows Don't fire season, Tom Crean. Yeah, exactly. And Tom Crean is gone. He's on my television instead of, you know, yeah. patrolling the sideline. Nothing at this point really matters. No. It, there are some kind of threads you can pull away. Like, I think from watching Lipscomb, you can say, all right, they're going to give Florida Gulf Coast a pretty good run in the Atlantic Sun. Um, and you can absolutely say the Michigan State's among the class in Big Ten, so is Purdue. But there's not a whole lot of like serious analysis you can do other than how did this team play tonight. So yeah, um, and you talked about. Uh, I, I feel like at this point, college basketball at this point in the season, we're the off the court storylines are like eighty five oh, times so better. So good. <laughs> There's so much. They're, they're, does anyone care like about the games? I, I don't know why you would. Okay, so now here are the list of storylines that I have. I have a little bit uh, running excited. through. So first off, we have the FBI investigation, which is wild, which is wild, and still going on, sort of in the shadows now, in the background, but yeah, still happening. Not that long ago, there yeah. was a report that, like. All of Auburn staff is going to get fired. Yes, and, like, soon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just right Bruce under Pearl, the radar. Bruce Pearl. Yeah, and then we have the whole Rick Pitino like saga, which is right basically just over. Um, Arkansas fired their AD. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but mm, that's probably more of a Burt Bielma deal. That's a Burt Bielma thing. Yeah, um, and then we have. Um, so that's one storyline going on. We have Leangelo Ball and two other UCLA players shoplifting in China, and then. Getting a presidential. Can we talk about this? Like, seriously? Negotiation. Okay, are we going to go into serious politics mode again? I'm not sure how serious the politics talk will be. First, I'll start with this. The world deserves a LeVar Ball, Donald Trump beef more yes. than like anything else. Because you know, Trump fired off some tweet of like, oh, should be thanking me for bringing him back from China. And I, I want nothing more than LeVar to go on Periscope like, and just lose his mind for 30 minutes about how he doesn't know anybody anything. Like, that'd be terrific. Leangelo doesn't really need to say anything. I feel bad for Leangelo, which we might talk yes. about. But, like, I, I want that so badly. It'd be the end stage of internet content. Well, this has also overshadowed the fact that a bunch of Georgia Tech players also got suspended. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, for that the whole, same crime. <laughs> that whole China trip was insane. Yeah, what the heck? And then they played the basketball game, by the way. Uh, no who, one, who, no one cared. Did anyone know how that game even went? I think UCLA won. It was right, at like 11 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. <laughs> no one cared that it even happened. So oh it's, it's wild that that happened. Um, we have the whole Braxton whatever, the NC yeah, State dude right. who took classes at, at, at Thad Matta's or whatever yeah, before so Ohio State. Like yeah, he took, like, a class for a week at Ohio State. Braxton Beverly's a kid. Brax, it's not Braxton Bragg, who's a Civil War, <laughs> Confederate general. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Sorry. Braxton Beverly. My mind, you can tell where the worms have gotten yeah. into my mind. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, the only way anyone can parse why all of a sudden he's again eligible is that the NCAA was just taking it on the chin yes. for months. In the in the press, basically. Yeah, and eventually they just like, all right, we need to stop this and just like let the kid play so people can focus on something else for yeah. five seconds. And so all of this is going on. We've also totally ignored that, you know, Grayson Allen is, is back again. Like, we, we're going to have more of those storylines. Yeah. Um, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have basically, I, I think, um, I don't know. Yeah, there was the UCLA tweets. There was... Um, also, Indiana. Should we talk about... I guess the one Indi encore thing we can laugh at is, is Indiana basketball. Should we... I don't want to laugh at Indiana basketball. 
It's so sad. I'll do it anyway. But like, they. First of all, like I do love Tom Crean, and I actually think that a significant part of like what it meant to be a Big Ten fan over the last five to ten years, however long he was there, he was there for a while, was like slowly realizing how good of a coach Tom Crean is. Because I think when you first like parachute in, it's like, oh, who's this goofy walking meme on the sideline who never calls timeouts and like has a tentative understanding of defense, tenuous understanding of defense. But then when you actually start like getting inside it, you're like, wow, this guy built a really respectable program out of out something of that was in tatters. Nothing. After Kelvin Sampson. I mean, they had no business. Dan Dockich coached the game for Indiana. That's how bad they were. And he brings them back. And he has one really bad year. And now he's gone, and Archie Miller comes in, who's a fucking jar of mayonnaise in terms of personality. I can't make fun of Archie Miller or even, like, say anything about Archie Miller. He's just boring as shit. He's not even as fun as Sean Miller, who is apparently has the, is the chief... Yeah, the chief bag man. Chief executive officer of the yeah. bag of the bag for Arizona. I mean, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. like, you have fun <laughs> Miller, who sweats a bunch and, like, gets arrested by the FBI. Yeah, it's and the, it's the have, boring Miller. You have Hoosier Miller, who's just... Like <laughs> brushing his teeth with mayonnaise, and I assume taking like seven minute tepid showers every yes, day, like um, four times a day. Yeah, I feel like there is the Big Ten is as graduate after the with Madigan and Tom Green gone. Oh, the meme market. The 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 level of of just entertainment in the Big Ten is is dropped precipitously. Oh, yeah. We have uh we I currently attend the most boring program. And most PR massage program in the country, uh, not in the in the conference. Um, yeah. There's a there's Purdue, which is boring. Um, They're super white. Michigan State. Uh, Tom Izzo, who's like a character, but his teams are incredibly boring. So well, in Miles Bridges, they've got some interesting players there. Like Michigan State is fun. We yes. can say that they don't play fun basketball. Yeah, I, but they're fun. Uh, yeah. Like Michigan isn't. No. Ohio State really isn't. They uh, used to be. There was a time when hating yeah. Aaron Kraft was fun and like and it was, they it was had good. Like NBA players. And yeah. It was really, really cool. No longer. Um, so all right, I'll run it down in terms of like the top teams on Kempom right now. Michigan State, who I think is interesting. Purdue, who's white bread. Wisconsin, who's wonder bread. Minnesota, the most interesting thing about them is their little dad. The, the, his dad. Yeah, is. whether or not Little Patino <laughs> has the bag too. Northwestern, who's might be the most memeable program, just because of the Wildcat internship program. Yes, I, mean, I think that's that's a real indictment of your conference. A meme that circles around twenty five yeah. yeah, Twitter pr- people, pr- about thirty people who think it's funny, and all of you listen to this podcast. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, no one who doesn't get the joke isn't listening. <laughs> so then, I mean, Maryland doesn't even have Trimble anymore. Michigan's always kind of boring. Penn State's interesting. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. They'll be like an NIT team, but they're kind of fun. Tony, got Tony Carr, Carr. Uh, Tony Carr wooden award. The young Pope, Tony Carr. Yeah, and then yeah, Iowa, they've just angry Fran. Ohio State sucks, Indiana sucks, Nebraska's going to fire Really sucks. Illinois. Illinois is like a chance to not suck, but they're going to suck. And then there's Rutger. And that's the most disappointing thing, is they're going to be good soon. <laughs> <laughs> Rutger, 3-0, totally convincing wins over, over teams. They play Coppin State and Bryant. They, they're non-con they schedule still. Did Dickinson last night? No, they they dumped Cleveland State Cleveland last State. night. Cleveland State was hundred to thirty or something like that. Seventy to thirty eight. Oh, not yet, not yet. Fairly Dick- Dickinson lost eighty one fifty seven to Penn State. Ah, yes, who yeah, got dumped go. on? Um, yeah, it should be good. Um, Rutgers, should we talk about Rutgers as like a legitimately decent team? Like we have to. They're good. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna be very good. And they're gonna be good soon. <laughs> I mean, like I really like Pike. Like I know you're the big America East expert now, but Pike was like the best coach in the conference. Oh, yeah. by a significant margin for a decade, probably. Yeah. Like, however long he was there, he was and there for a decade. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he 
you know, you uh, kind of have like those like late season stumbles in the tournament because yeah. Stony Brook has never made the tournament club member only until yes. a couple years ago uh, with Jamil Warney. But yeah, I mean, he had a great program there. There's there's no doubt he's a really good. Coach. He won 119 games in five years at yeah. Stony Brook. And and for those who aren't from New York, Stony Brook basketball is not a, it's thing. Not a thing. It's th- that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like people who go to Stony Brook are like pretty heady people who like. Basically, just go. Like, it was like the northwestern of the northeast, like in terms of basketball. Like, yeah, I mean, no it's, one. It's below Albany. In it's the SUNY system. Oh, easily. It's like, no, it's below it's Albany, just, below like, Binghamton, below even like Colgate. I think would be. Yeah. I mean, Colgate's a D three school. I'm like kidding no, about Colgate, that, but like, D1. oh, it's a D one yeah. school. Yeah, it's below Colgate in the Patriot League, below Cornell, below all of any Ivy League. Columbia is better than them. Stony Brook was like the bot. Like I didn't even like the Sea Wolves were like not a thing. Yeah, and now I mean, not only did Pikeville have a great run there, but their new coach, whose name I'm forgetting, um, was a was Mata's number one guy. Yes, and it had a really impressive showing his first year in the America East. Um, so I mean, it's everything's turning up for Stony Brook now after yeah. Pikeville's gone, and Pikeville's going to be on a really similar trajectory to Chris Collins. Yes, it's going to be five <laughs> years ish, four or five years. He's eventually going to, I don't think he's not recruiting at the level of Chris Collins, but he's going to have his guys in the program. And in the Big Ten, all you need to do is be like slightly above average, and you're going to be fifth or fourth in the conference. Yeah. And you're in the NCAA tournament. Like, it's yeah. going to happen soon. It sucks so much. I know. Because <laughs> they're so much more fun when they suck. Well, Eddie, nothing will ever be better than the twenty uh, the 2016 Eddie Jordan team. The Eddie Jordan not giving a shit. <laughs> still, so, so. No, they were really close to being like a bottom with 300 team, right? What did they finish like 279? 279. So, no power conference team had even come close to being bottom 300. And Rutgers would have been that, except Richard the last Pitino, game of the year yes. was against Minnesota, who suspended, I think, five or six players <laughs> before <laughs> their last game. I think they started a walk on in that yes. game. And Rutgers won it just going away. Like, it yes. wasn't close ever. Yeah, that Which was I'm bad. Not, like that's that really deprived us of some really strong internet. Content. Rutgers was three hundred and seven in Ken Palm heading into that game. That's right. Which is <laughs> so abysmal. That <laughs> like you can you should be above like two fifty just on the basis of like competing in a major conference. I think the best game of that season. It, we're not. We're never going to do a full podcast about this season. But why the heck not now? Um, they played a triple overtime game. Against Illinois at the at the rack, so which was Sanders stu- like two Corey Sanders hit two buzzer beating threes. <laughs> it was the stupidest game I've ever seen. <laughs> it was it was Illinois like whoa peak Illinois yeah, being. I Illinois should have ninety nine point nine 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 win expectancy against Rutgers in the first overtime blow of the game because of Corey Sanders. Had eighty four percent at the end of regulation blow the game because of Corey Sanders. Corey Sanders is, has been in school for a decade. So <laughs> you know where Corey Sanders was like he had offers from. So he's a junior this yeah. year. Do you know who he would have played with? He no. could have played with Ben Simmons at LSU. Oh, he was wow. a, like a top fifty recruit who had a serious <laughs> offer from LSU. Oh man! Like he could have played with Ben Simmons his freshman year and not oh, made the tournament because it's LSU. But he could play like NBA future NBA All Star. Instead, he goes to Rutgers, where you can just suck it up yeah. and like get his shots up. Well, major props. That's major props. And um, the other game, I remember with Inside and You, we did a game where they were facing Rutgers at home, and we did a game. What would you do? If Ruck, if Northwestern beat Rutgers, yeah, there's like the livest shit in that comment <laughs> too, because everyone knew it was gonna be fine. <laughs> um, let's look at this article again. What would you do if? Oh well, all the. Uh, Rutgers articles are written by me, but um, 
so here, what what would we do? Um, they they quoted me here too. Um, so Kevin Trahan said he would denounce my citizenship to the great state of Iowa. Henry Bushnell said he would move to <laughs> Iowa, which is unbelievable. You said. Go to a Northwestern media availability with a Rutger shirt and Rutger basketball button and permanently change your Twitter into to a pro Rutger outlet and send your application to Rutger grad school. That's right. I would, absolutely I would argue you have actually done the second one without even... Yeah, I've done that one ironically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... that's that's I'm bad. Somehow twisted into that, which is unfortunate. I said I would write a ten thousand word space theme short story involving Corey Sanders and Eddie Jordan. Which you basically also. I also write also down. did. Yeah. Um, Zach Wingrove said he would draft Jay Cutler first overall in his fantasy football league. He would have won his league. Ian McCaffrey said this was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh Burton said he would donate $200 to Rutgers Endowment. Jason Doro <laughs> said, admit Joey King dunked on me in high school. Which he did, by the which way. Which is very Joey sad. King has actually dunked on Jason yes. and did his basketball <laughs> career, which we're not over yet. All right. Um, yeah, so I think... After that exhilarating Rutgers basketball discussion, um, is there anything else in, in terms of the world, wide world of sports you want to talk about? Everything, every sports headline is actually bad right now. I just want to point this out. Here are the uh, sports headlines. This is one of those days when all the sports headlines are bad. Here are the sports headlines. Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott withdraws his appeal. Will serve full ban. UCLA player is suspended after China incident. Giants McAdoo brutally honest at meeting, and Robert Covington is finalizing an extension. Oh, Rocco! <laughs> Just that process. <laughs> and uh, Brown, the news is bad. And this then is Cleveland Browns players feel dissed by Tayshawn Gibson's remarks. Same. It's very good. Also, and and because I'm a, my brain has been destroyed. Jack Wilshire is setting his sights on a La Liga move, oh, which good for uh, him. Good for Jack. I want to die. Um, <laughs> I'm was good. You're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Arsenal Football Club does not exist. Uh, should I do my... Uh, it does not exist. Uh, we we, uh, we play... Uh, he's a little nibble in his thigh, uh, but we do not... Uh, we do not. Is that supposed to be like a wanger? It's just, uh, I don't know what it is. It's so bad. Terrific stuff. No, I, I, I do have nothing else. Yeah, I'm, I have nothing else. We're done here. All right. Um, this has been another episode of uh, a podcast about sports and pop culture. Um, if you are uh, interested in following us on the social medias, I think maybe we should record this as a bump at the beginning, but yeah. um, I'm Tristan Jung Zero, and you are? NG412. Yeah. What's your current Twitter tagline? Katie, Katie Lou Samuelson Inspector. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so you <laughs> can look up that. Stop recording button. <laughs> you can look up that, too. And, um, yeah, I think we're done here. Juggy, always threw me off when she told me daddy fucked me I'm like any who's sees walking all out in the street without any shoes I guess it's better than some funky socks You need to get her some skips before she gets the monkey box She wanna hear the beatbox Take pills and make fake krills to sheet rock Sing it, bring it back to your laboratory While it's in his oratory, glorious like a horror story the mask is like Jason He told the place not to let the basket type case in He might be some type of wacko Looking for a chance to heat the pipes like a crack hole He said, blessed be the Lord Who believe any of us, they read up on a message board If so, I got a bridge for the Lord